1: Welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Sunday. Yes, not Monday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. We decided to be proper heathens. Monster December 18th. We're recording on Sunday because we need to record our interview with Mr. Justin Schieber, who is not available on Monday when we typically record, and it just so happens that we were all available today. Yeah. Because it's Sunday, so we watched the Patriots beat the Broncos. Yay! (laughs) Mm-hmm. And we saw the end of the Raiders-Chiefs game where the Raiders won. Yay! And then we talked about superheroes all afternoon. Fuck that. <laughs> the Did I say Raiders-Chiefs? It was Raiders-Chargers. Raiders-Chargers. I was thinking that the, the Chiefs also lost. So yes, that was and the also Chiefs good. lost. Yes.
3: Yeah. Denver, San Diego, and Kansas City all lost today.
1: So AFC West was dominated by the Raiders today. <laughs> Get ready. <raided. laughs> I wore a Packer shirt. Yay.
3: How are they, they doing this they year? They
1: barely
0: won
3: today.
1: Uh, I think I said eight and three when I looked at the thing. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're doing all right. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited that my team after what 15 goddamn years has a good season going. And goddamn. I'm
3: very excited that football is back on this fucking show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited that football and you are back on the show. Thanks, man.
2: You guys can't see it but Dan's dancing. That looks like post coital. <laughs>
1: it was it was a very it was a very small groove that I'm doing here in the chair. It was, it was enough to laugh at. <laughs> you have no idea. I love that song. It's a great song. It is a very very good song. Uh so yes, Matt is in studio with us again. Hello. After how long were you gone, man? I don't even know, man. It was at least a good 6 weeks. Was it a full 6? I think
3: so. That's how long my class was. That would make sense. I guess that would make sense.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I should I should I should do this thing over here when I I click on that. Yeah. But
3: I would like to (laughs) say thanks to Gioff, Grant, and X for filling in. Yeah. Yes. For the time. And also, thanks to the Utah Cast for this wonderful T-shirt. I always love to get spinoff show merchandise. <sighs> so <laughs> I, appreciate, I appreciate
2: that. Oh, uh, so what? Why, do, why
3: is it funny? They're the Joey Tar friends. It's not a big deal. <laughs>
1: oh that's cruel you don't gotta be an asshole it's kind is of that, true is I, that I I think, an ass is that i think chris would say that like we he said that coming on the show got him interested in doing podcasting yeah, again, yeah, yeah. that's so what i meant it inspired that was him thing. yeah so entirely what i meant <laughs>
3: uh we Besides all... that matt leblanc is an excellent and underrated actor
1: his his show <laughs> whatever show he, i can't remember the name of it joey now. no is it is it called joey the
3: oh, one like, that he's on uh, now no no I know
1: he was on
0: the that was the Top Gear show. for a little bit there. Yeah, I, I can't remember of the of name of the was show he? that he's on. Oh, now, he has it's... a new season of the oh, really? BBC's Top Gear. He's on really? there.
1: It's pretty decent. Well, he's got some comedy on HBO oh, or some okay. shit. Oh yeah, yeah. I've only caught little scenes of it here and there. Tracy likes it quite a bit. So,
0: well, now that he's sobered up, he's back to acting.
1: Well, did he have a problem? Oh, with
0: Oh yeah, that? he had a huge problem with drugs and alcohol.
1: Hmm. Hmm. So tomorrow on the Matt LeBlanc show, we'll <laughs> talk about his graying hair. Oh, uh, yes. Devilish good looks increasing as he makes those character lines more prominent. Uh we are also in we are also in studio yes, with, we are. Uh, with Meg. Still. She she's Still. she's not in studio with us. We're in studio with her. <laughs> huh. Weird. You you, but... you have to do something other than nod, because this isn't <laughs> this isn't a graphic video thing. <laughs>
2: Then stop waving things. your
4: hands around. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm nodding. Oh you're yes, fine. I am here.
1: Yay. We're we're gonna put you to work later.
4: Okay. Hmm. <laughs> that didn't sound
1: really good, did no. it? No. <laughs> Trump is not president yet.
4: Yeah. Not yet.
1: Make me a sandwich. <laughs> I just thought <laughs> of Matt saying
4: Do Not till my birthday.
1: <laughs> That's right. <sighs> that is your special present.
4: It's ready terrible. to work. Worst birthday your, ever.
1: Your president present. Mm-mm. can it'll i be, give
4: it wait can i return it
1: it'll uh, be an unprecedented, unprecedented. unprecedented. <laughs> 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 unprecedented present. <sighs>
0: didn't trump say that recently yeah yes. i tweeted it he tweeted out that the actions with was it what the china deal no it was with or with china They're or unprecedented. russia it was unprecedented
1: uh two hours later it was changed to unprecedented huh.
4: SNL already covered it.
1: Do you think that's something that he actually sent himself? Because I know a lot of the tweets he just yells at his staffer. No, that was the one he sent. Then his staffer said, fuck you. You're not supposed to tweet on your own.
0: Let me spell check.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: That's how I see it happen.
3: A responsible Republican.
1: Well, his staffer might it not be a Republican. My, it fits my narrative. So <laughs> Yeah. That's what I want to believe. <laughs> so I'll believe it. Mm-hmm. So coming up on tonight's show, we will have an interview with Mr. Justin Schieber, who has co-written a book called An Atheist and a Christian Walk into a Bar talking about God, the universe and everything. Co-written mm. with Randall Rouser. Randall Rouser. I, I, I'll have to admit to him that I have not had a chance to finish reading the book. I'm on page 84, 85, something like that. I'm really digging it so far. Uh, and, and have picked up a couple different things that I've, well, all I can say so far is that I have learned things from the book that previously were... Not all that clear to me. So. Very well put. Next, <laughs>
4: <laughs> why are you glad he's back?
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, oh.
3: I know. All your other guests yeah. are so nice to you <laughs> for <laughs> these little moments that I cherish
2: <laughs> as
1: he strokes his keyboard. Our ratings went so soothing much. Him oh God, I apologize to everybody. Oh, I should also mention too, real quick, that last night at the part of the reason that I wasn't able to complete the book is because. I had set aside a large chunk of time yesterday during the day to read it and ended up getting roped into prepping stuff for the Atheists of Utah party mm. and then had planned on, okay, well, that still leaves me some time where I can at least, you know, read through a, a whole bunch of it when we get home after the party. But there was someone at the party who became the drunkest guy in the world God. Mm. and we needed to be there attending... Wow to that whole situation for some time at the end of the party. But there were also a couple fans of the show who walked up and introduced themselves during the party who said, hey, so Jeremy and Jimmy, thank you very much for coming over and introducing yourselves. It's a pleasure talking to you and meeting fans of the show. That's always nice.
0: All right. I actually met someone at a coffee chat one night where I was talking to him like, I recognize your voice.
3: (laughs) I was like, what do you mean?
0: like oh yeah i do a podcast
3: <laughs> i get a bunch of people coming up to me too and then yeah. they're like oh never mind i thought oh. you were jeff oh
1: you're uh, <laughs> somebody else you probably don't know what's all hipsters right no they just think i'm jeff no oh. they're not
3: excited when they find out i'm oh. not on the show well
1: you're both dead wow. sexy
3: so i just figured it was oh fucking
0: patriots fan <laughs> cheaters
1: Jeff is a Patriots fan too, right?
0: I don't think so. That's why they get him confused. Mm. Is he? I don't know. We can say. I'm going to say he is. is.
3: He's not here to defend it. <laughs> I don't think
1: because so. Because you should have to defend being a Patriots fan. Yes.
3: Fair enough. Watch
4: it, Raiders I fan. I
3: know. <laughs> no, fair enough. Let's do it. What do you guys want to talk about? What do you want to make me defend? Uh, Free will. <laughs> Jesus.
2: i a Patriots fan. How
3: about... How about I I'll take a rain check and let me ask Justin about the difference between hard determinism and compatibilism. If he can adequately explain that, then I'll know my position and then I'll be able to research it and defend that. But
1: So so ahead of that, what would you say you are like where where would you fall is free will a thing? Are you a compatibilist, hard determinist? Well, seeing as compatibilism is
3: not well enough defined it seems to me to be this weird middle position uh that's trying to kind of have its cake and eat it too yeah um i'm not i don't i don't think that libertarian free will takes uh, enough biology into account so i would say hard determinist
1: yeah i would say hard determinist for myself also but it kind of depends on the on the definition of, that you, you know, want to use of either hard determinism or compatibilism. Yeah. I'll,
3: I'll ask him about it and we'll see what he says.
1: Because there's, yeah. There's
0: a lot of different terms for it and a lot of people have different definitions for it and as he
3: knows way more about it than I do.
1: Yeah. Well, and you know, it's, you can, you can have a sense of and feel like you have free will. And, and that, I guess that's where I would say I would be a compatibilist is if, if it really doesn't matter as far as your, feeling about a thing and your actions then yes that's that that would be my compatibilist view of things
3: yeah but then why call that a thing right i mean if there isn't any substantial difference between what you feel is the case or what actually is happening why would you make a separate category for what you're feeling why wouldn't you just call it what it is do you see what i mean that's that's kind of where i'm
1: yeah and i i think that i think a lot of that has to do with The perceived implications of adopting a fully deterministic view of things. Mm. The moral implications that, you know, if, if there is no, if there is no free will, then everything is determined and therefore there, there is no moral assignment to anything that you could do necessarily Mm -hmm. i mean you could condemn it as being morally wrong in the grander scheme of things but you can't condemn the person for committing an act an immoral act because they were determined to do that regardless right they had no free will to do otherwise yeah so that's why i I say i'm a compatibilist conclusion
3: patriots are the number one seed in the afc done
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay so moving on what's been happening with you man uh, did you bring some stuff to chastise uh, us about no i didn't oh um i have nothing prepared it's because we are
0: fantastic that, we are an a plus show and don't need to improve <laughs> on anything <laughs> <laughs> all
3: the shows were great yeah
1: yeah that's that's truth have you listened to all
3: of them uh, I've during not, your time i off? have not listened to the danielle moscato that one you.
4: is fantastic
1: um but all the others and yeah they were good very good I already well, you haven't heard the most recent one, but it hasn't no. been released to general public yet. So yeah. I was
4: wondering that you said it took you like five hours to do it, and then I'm like, "Where is it?"
1: So
5: well, we so I missed two... six
3: weeks, and now I'm general public. Am we I? have to maintain you, yes.
1: some semblance of a schedule. Yeah. So we typically release on Mondays, so mm-hmm. it gives me like a well. Currently, it gives me a full week to record people in between. People are used to episodes. routine, so if yeah. they look for our show to come out on a Monday. You're gonna look for
0: it on Monday.
4: Oh, I look for it every day. <laughs> well, <laughs> sorry.
1: <laughs> no, I I have my thing set up to just go out and like all of the podcasts that I subscribe to, just go out and check the whole, you know, every feed, just check it every day. So I get that.
0: I can do my deplorable of the week if you want me. Yes. To. So last week we had the preacher. So I guess he's 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 in our basket of deplorables. The preacher. In uh, this week, I'm not sure what to name this guy, but we'll figure out the name for him uh, in a second here. Because uh, this story, I got it from Raw Stories. And it comes from a comedian named John Laster, who was uh, performing at a club in Chelsea, Manhattan. Uh, and he was performing a routine right after the election. He was a little pissed off about what was going on. And I'll say bat, he's an African-American comedian. That's very crucial to the story. Mm-hmm. No, this sounds like it's going to go south it is mm-hmm. going to go south really quick this is going to go to Alabama in really a bad south <laughs> so after he went on stage and he kind of he kind of went on his rant for a little bit about Trump and going on about that kind of stuff he got it off the stage went over to the bar and went to have a drink and that's when a man approached him and this is what he told him man you're really funny and you're black since Trump won the election there's uh, a lot of Americans need to... Re- There's a lot of things Americans need to reconsider. We need to put that political correct stuff to bed. Now I should be able to call you the Blank. N-word.
1: What? And he used the hard R. What? Now I should be able to call you a nigger because Donald Trump has been elected president of yes. the United States? Yep. Hate yep. crimes
4: have gone up quite a bit.
1: Well, here's here's... Are you...
0: Well, I was going to say after after that, uh, John, let's put that out there. And he he later on posted on his Facebook wall says, I spent the entire week and disgusted that we have to deal with this and disgusted that I didn't break his jaw. And it's not an Alabama problem because he's in New York. He's in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. He's got a guy coming to him in Manhattan saying, well, now that Trump's elected, I'm allowed to call you whatever the fuck I want.
3: Well, first thing is, it's sad that that's been accepted in places like Alabama as status quo but first s- yeah but secondly for over a year we've been talking about trump and his supporters for what they were racist yeah. assholes yeah who've denied it the entire time no he's going to help the economy he's the only one that can fix the national debt he's going to get you know he's going to get this back in shape and that back right now that we can't do anything about it we see the true colors and it's exactly what we've been saying the whole time they're racist fucking assholes and they're emboldened by trump to be able to go out in public and do this i mean right off the bat his
0: first comment saying you're really funny and you're black and you're black
3: it's like wow i didn't expect a black man to be funny i have overcome all of this to be funny I'm funny despite of my blackness. But I
1: got to commend John Laster, And despite all my
4: racism, I think you're funny. Right, that too, I approve of you.
1: Weird that I could approve of a black man being funny.
0: But the comedian John Laster, I got to commend him for not breaking the guy's jaw in the moment because I think sometimes you got to be the better man in that situation. Does it say how he responded to this asshole? (sighs) He just just put that, that, that... facebook comment out about it that I read that last one where he's saying he wanted to break the guy's jaw and he still does not know how this is going on i'm curious to know what he did say to him you know he didn't yeah. break his jaw clearly but what did he say he doesn't say that the only and part what- of the conversation <clears throat> he gave was that part
2: yeah
1: what can you say to something like Just that other drop than- your jaw and look at him like are you fucking serious
3: I, I mean, you well, could that say, more, "All right, thanks," and walk away and just be from, like, "What the fuck?"
0: From gathering what he said on Facebook, he seemed he might have been quite enraged at that moment, anyways. So the best course of action for him might have been to be like, "Okay, I'm going to walk away from this." Hmm. He was already heated after his coming off the stage because this was right after Trump won. He was on stage as a black comedian, and he was letting his he was venting on stage, and this guy comes up and says this to him.
1: Hmm. Good God, that's fucking. Well, so, there you have but it. it is, but it is exactly as Matt oh, yeah. said. We, yeah. It's it's what we've been saying all along, and they've been denying this whole time. Oh no, yeah. we're not racist. That's yeah. not why we like Trump. Blah mm-hmm. blah. And then you have this. Isn't the only case that no, we've heard oh, about no, 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 like no, this? No. By it's not even it, one of, and it won't 50. be the last. You <laughs> know, we hear hundreds of these yeah, cases yeah, lately. No.
3: Yeah, it's just, uh
1: and he hasn't even been sworn in as president nope. yet. Right? Yeah, he's not even president yet. <laughs> So
0: I think this guy is going to go into our bask our, our basket of deplorables as yeah racist bar patron. I don't know.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: it would be great if we had his name. He, yeah, we don't have the guy's name. Apparently, the comedian decided not to stick around to get the guy's name, <laughs> which I don't fault him for. We
4: should publicly for. be shaming these people. Yeah, well,
0: racist at McFuck the very bands. least. I mean, I yeah. I fully hope that he takes this and takes it to his actual stage performance to actually publicly shame these kinds of people that might be in the crowd at his at his when he's doing routines.
1: Yeah, well, I think we all need to stand up and oh yeah, call people out like this for being racist. Yeah. There's no other word for that. That's a it's, racist fucking thing to say. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's not about being politically correct, it's being a fucking human
0: being and knowing, "Oh, maybe I shouldn't call this person a nigger because yeah. that has other yeah, connotations I mean, that are fucking horrible. Yeah.
3: I, the, the fact that he thinks that nobody says the N word because it's not PC mm-hmm. is so fucking wrong that, I mean, it just, it, it almost in, ex, in itself explains the Trump voter. Yeah. You know, that you think, oh, well, because it's politically correct now I can no longer say the N word. No,
1: that's not the point. That is not the point how do you How do you engage with people like that i mean at that at that level of assholery what do you how do you even respond to somebody like that to drive home the point that you may be a decent person otherwise, but what you just said was horrific yeah. i mean is it just I as simple as saying something like that
4: every facet of their being who cares if they're well decent everywhere else that I don't think they can be, can they?
0: <laughs> well, I, I've I've thought about this and I've thought, do you take it to the same level they are? Do you find something about them that they would find completely offensive if you called them out on it?
2: You
1: yeah, now it. I can talk about how you like to fuck your sister. Right. <laughs> or like if he, if he was there
0: and say, I'm not saying all Trump voters dress like cowboys, but if he was there dressed <laughs> like a cowboy and just being like,
3: <laughs> oh, so you like to fuck steers in the ass, right? right. Well, you're a cowboy. <laughs> Well, tractors are sexy after all. Yeah, I mean, turnabouts fair, f- fair play, sure, but, um, but get I think it's name. the wrong I mean, thing to do as well. Get his name and
4: publicly shame him. <sighs> but I don't know what other course of action you can take besides breaking his jaw.
1: But that only works with the fucking liberals, Ugh. and it only works when those people would honestly feel a sense of shame for something they've done like that right yeah but it sounds like this guy is proud that he doesn't have to hide and doesn't and and no longer had an
4: external pressure and now that that's lifted if you bring another external pressure maybe it would cap it a little
0: i don't i think these people with trump being there are going to come back well but it's it's not that the one external
1: pressure has gone away
4: it's, it's just. That he I think has in something their minds they has... think it is because Trump has lifted that external pressure of having a black president, of having all these PC rules and laws, and now it's freedom to be a bigoted asshole. It
3: it almost seems like with the way that he presented it, that with his thirty two IQ, he was thinking, well, black people really want to be called the N word, but we haven't been allowed to give them that. So <laughs> let me let me give you this gift right now. <laughs> You're and, welcome. Hey. So now that PC is out of here, you're funny even though you're black. <laughs> We're friends, right? You know. Yeah. And it's like, what? Do you Yeah, what do you even
1: uh, do with somebody like that? You know, I have no idea. I don't I don't know how I would respond to something like that. Even as a white guy who just finds that offensive. Right. Yeah. I don't and, but what's sad is that now hearing these types of things, these are the types of situations that we need to mentally prepare ourselves for, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You, there, there's this thing. I can't remember what the, what the phenomenon or whatever terminology is used to refer to this specific thing, but it's that if you mentally prepare for a situation, you're more likely to follow through on what you've prepared to do, right? Yeah. So if you, if you want to save yourself in the event of being hit by a car, you mentally run through different scenarios in your head of if I'm in the road and a car is approaching, I will try to jump just before the car <laughs> hits me. Right. So I can bounce off of the windshield and or hood of the car versus potentially being dragged underneath the car. I just and figured so I won't in the, walk into the road. And so, and so with the potentiality of you being hit by a vehicle, just the mental replaying of that or, or, or being mentally prepared for that type of thing and, being prepared for that eventual scenario helps you survive that more than somebody who's never given it a thought in their so, life. So mm-hmm. getting so, hit
4: by a car is the equivalent, mentally, of Trump's presidency,
1: or of being <laughs> called a nigger by some asshole in so a bar. The
4: followers,
0: it's, it's well it's for mean, the
4: next four years
0: have to be prepared to hit, be hit by a car and have a comeback for it.
1: I mean, can you can you <sighs> imagine? Being a being a black person living in the United States, putting on a comedy show, being you know right. a, having achieved some modicum of success, not just in the U.S. but in New York, yeah, and and then not to Alabama, be, as he said, and then to be mingling with people after the show and to have somebody walk up and call you a nigger, yeah, so i just of, can't I can't imagine what that would be like one of one of maybe the most
3: depressing parts about this whole thing i mean aside aside from the obvious uh
4: we're going back a hundred years no no,
3: no, no, I mean not even that four hundred but but, but now you generous. have to think, we just had eight years of Obama for what I mean, yes, he did a lot of good
1: but but it feels
3: when you we're see not stuff like even, this, we're not even out of his presidency fully yet, and and white Americans, at least in some certain segment of the population, are so eager to jump back into this, yeah, that they're not even waiting for Trump to take. I mean that. Th- th-
1: But it's not even that they're jumping back into anything. They've pulled us back decades before. I mean, this isn't some, this this type of shit didn't happen this often underneath a Bush presidency or a Clinton presidency or a Bush one presidency or Or, or 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 perhaps even a Carter or or a Reagan or Carter or Nixon presidency, right? This shit is worse (laughs) now than it has been under several different presidents in our past. Yep. And we're not even at that president yet. Yeah. I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. Well, he this uh,
0: Trump is going to be unique of among all the presidents because he doesn't give a fuck about foreign relations. He's going to be so unpredictable. He has no clue what even taking the office meant means I can fuck with Gina. Well, <laughs> he, she's got no choice. <laughs> Cuz I'll
1: grab Gina by the yeah. pussy. This is Matt Dillahoney, and you're listening to The Godless Revolution.
4: The next rant will start right after this.
3: Hey, everybody, this is X. And I'm Kyle.
4: And I'm Felicia. We're the Utah Outcasts.
3: Three out, unashamed, and active atheists living in Utah. And we are personally inviting you to let us love your ears each and every week.
4: As we take the news, current events, and pop culture and give it a little twist. A love
3: twist with consent. And we'll be joined each week by a special guest to tell us what makes them an outcast like us.
2: Come find us.
3: The Utah Outcast. On Podhell.com, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play. Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And on UtahOutcast.com. We finally bought that domain off the kids handing out mixtapes in the mall.
4: Come be an outcast with us.
3: Take care of yourselves out there. Bonne nuit. And you're welcome.
2: We common sense
4: folk need to stick together. We do. We're all walking on eggshells. And over what?
3: Words? Exactly. Words. They're just words. We have to examine the intent behind them. It's like we
1: can't say anything anymore. I mean, first we couldn't say yellow. Mm-hmm. Then we couldn't say oriental. Next you're going to tell me we can't say ching chong.
4: Yeah, you could,
5: you could never say that.
0: So I, I had an idea a few weeks ago. I might try to do it. I might see about it. I want to do a whole bunch of photos with taking things that people say liberals hate to show that, guess what? Some of us liberals like to drive big trucks. Some liberals like to go out and shoot guns. Some liberals are in the military. Some liberals are cops. So for you to go around saying, oh, look at this person's carrying a gun. A liberal hates that. They must be crying in their fucking car or whatever. It's like, no, because that's not
3: how it works. Where are you going to post these four photos? (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, well, it would be, f- I'd try to take a series of them. It's <laughs> well, and, and I think you know the me. Thing I like, like to take photos. I think that's <laughs> I the thing that's lost among so many people, not just on the right, but even those on the left. That Yeah. They, they fail to see the nuance of so many different situations and interactions, right? It's for way too many people, everything is black or white. Yeah. You're wrong or you're right. You're black or you're white. And I'm just reciting Michael Jackson lyrics. <laughs> I know. I was point. like, huh. <laughs> but people, so many people these days refuse to see that there isn't one simplistic answer for every fucking no. question in the world. And I've I've seen it from people I work with. Well, I mean. Where they're like, well, how do you. How that's also you... what I really like about Justin Schieber's newest book, yeah. by the way.
0: <laughs> where it's like, how can you like that? You're a liberal. It's like. Me having liberal political views on society don't mean shit about things I like to do in my
3: everyday life. But sometimes, sometimes the simplest answer is the right one. Not Trump is the right answer. Well, what's the question? Yeah, who should be president?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Then, if that's the question, certainly, yeah. not Trump. Yeah, yeah. Is and I try the right answer. I try to th-
0: see things from both sides. You know, I. I, I try to take emotions out of things. I try to take opinions out of things and me try too, to look at too, it. Too. And I
1: guess it depends on the person you're asking. I mean, if you're- No. If you're no, Vladimir no no, Pughy, no, 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 well, Oh, yeah. Trump. Well, okay. Or, or a billionaire.
0: But even, uh, not even yeah. going that far, go, go to a Trump voter that lives in coal country. I can see why they voted Trump. Why? Because Trump kept saying we're going to be able to reopen coal, we're going to invest as much money in coal. But he's while they're wrong. hearing, yeah, he's, mean, he's lying. lying. He, he is lies lying
2: to he every is,
4: group yes, he talks to. He
3: is lying, but that's what they heard. Yeah, but they heard yeah, that. But, but they have some. They have some amount of responsibility. To to go out and figure out what the all, what well, the recent Republican platform has been. All Americans
0: right? have that responsibility. Yes. And but and, we know they don't all do it. So, right. when you so got that's someone, their fucking fault. But when you got someone putting their emotions into it and they think That's hear,
3: their fucking it fault. It is their
0: fault. I know.
3: But there are <laughs> Oh, did you miss me?
0: They are also not required. I mean that that's the problem with our with voting. Is, there's they a,
4: hear what they want to hear, hear they and, and they hear, and they,
0: they, they input their emotions into it.
4: They don't research So when it. someone
0: lives in coal country yep. and they hear someone go, we're going to reinvest in coal, we're going to open these places up, they're going to put their emotions into it. Oh, I agree they're going to do that. But... And that's how they're going to vote with their emotions and not think about this going, wait. He doesn't. He's never done anything. He said he's going to do. So why should I fucking believe him on that? Right. They're going to hang on to that straw, being like, "Hey, maybe he will reopen these coal plants, and our dying coal town mm-hmm. will be revitalized." So but they're going to
3: hold on to that. But that doesn't change my answer. That voting Trump is the wrong answer for them as well.
0: It is wrong, and yep. they'll realize but they it afterwards. No, they don't.
3: Yeah, they don't know it, but that doesn't matter.
0: But that's it's the still pro- wrong. It is still, but they're, they'll, they'll realize that later on. They'll realize. No, they won't. Wait,
1: When they don't get their fucking jobs back. They'll blame it on something else. It'll be, well, yeah, we talked about this pre-show. Yeah. If they don't get their jobs back, it's going to be because of all those regulations that Obama put in place. Yeah, that's going to be,
3: there is no, there is not going to be an I told you so moment because the, the Republicans are so far to the right. They tend to not be introspective. Humans. And so they're not going to look at that and say, man, Uh, did we mess up here? No, they're not going to do that. They're going to figure out exactly which other external thing they can blame it on. That's part of the them category. But I would say that happens on both sides. Well, sure. You can't tell me like, oh,
0: everyone that voted Hillary was so smart, so much smarter than everybody that voted Republican. It's like, no, there's, I guarantee there's people on the Democratic side who voted emotionally,
1: not knowing, hey, Well, why am I voting this way? What? I mean, you know, to paraphrase somebody like Matt Dillahunty, you know, I I would much prefer that somebody is an atheist for good reasons than for bad reasons, whatever, whatever your belief, I would much rather that you have good reasons for it than bad reasons for it. I want you to have good reasons for believing what you believe and Mm -hmm. to be able to explain them to somebody else and and take in new information and adjust those beliefs as necessary. But but here's the thing. I mean, here's, here's what, here's what
3: demonstrates to me, the amount of dogmatism that's in politics. Let's say, let's say that you believe all the negative hype about Hillary, right? And, and you're, and you're not somebody who, who believes in innocent until proven guilty, right? You're somebody that thinks, oh, she's been accused of all this stuff. So therefore she's a criminal. Um, so now you have two psychopathic thug, criminal Asshole candidates. And one of them is telling you that they're not going to put in place policies that'll help you as a middle class or lower class person. And the other one is saying that they will do it. But yet you still vote for the psychopathic, thug, dishonest person who's mm-hmm. not going to, who's saying they're not going to put policies in place that help you. Yeah. In the hopes that they might turn out to be like the other candidate who's saying they will do things. To, what, what sense does that make? It's, it's, Even if you believe the lies about Hillary. Well, I th- that's,
0: that's where I think that's where the emotion comes into it. Yeah, it's th- totally th- now, dogmatic. I mean, how many people have it's you party. heard that voted Trump? Their only reason for voting Trump, boy, he's going to make America great again. Or
3: no, well, he he could surprise us. He's going to bring jobs back. Well, how? Yeah, he could surprise us and not be like himself. Yeah, you know. So we're going to vote for Donald Trump, hoping that he won't be Donald Trump when there's a perfectly good candidate who is not Donald Trump already running.
4: Or how many people do not want an emotional woman?
3: Well, there's sexism, of course.
4: Emotional. Extreme Trump,
1: right, right. <laughs> What's right, what strange? Right. When when you said that, I thought to myself, "Is there?" I would I would put myself into the shoes of somebody on the right wing. Is there such a thing as a woman who's not emotional or overly emotional? But then their charge against Hillary Clinton was that she's so robotic. Yeah, yeah, that right? she's so, so
3: unemotional. She's there, there was no yeah. way
1: that she could win no. no matter what she did.
4: Right, that's what I'm saying. Extreme and, sexism was a huge factor.
3: And yeah. there's no way Trump could lose no yeah. matter what he did.
4: Mm-hmm. I'll was, go out to Fifth so Avenue and shoot weird. somebody yeah. in the face I and I won't lose any voters. that person.
3: But I'm just saying, yeah, it's true. I mean, Hillary could, there's nothing she could have done to To improve her position, and there's nothing Trump could have done to decrease his position. He did everything yes. he could wrong to fuck up his his run and it didn't happen it didn't matter and Hillary well. did everything right politically i mean she was you know and and it didn't matter yeah, I mean it's true it who knows it's it was a weird one this was a weird one. Do we have anything happy we can talk about? No. Who cares?
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
4: Who says we're negative?
1: <laughs> but God will make it right, Ryan. I can't think of uh, anything at the moment. Did you have something hmm. in mind?
0: <laughs>
3: no. I was just trying to calm Matt down. Oh, am I am I too upset for you? You've missed me, Ryan. I know. I'm you're like, not you're not used to not having desensitized I'm to He's
4: not sensitized anymore. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Just, he's just trying kinda... to he's just started to recover and now <laughs>
0: <laughs> i haven't been yelled at in a while
1: did I?
3: oh
2: sorry <laughs> no, we, you're good we
4: do have some you want to switch
2: chairs? Oh,
3: i'll return your teddy bear next week i <laughs> forgot it this time it better be cleaned <laughs> we... uh two weeks okay
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna take some industrial strength cleaners i have on order but they won't be here <laughs> oh, in time that... for the next one
4: why are you sitting like yeah, that? Yeah, that was weird. Because, because I'm trying to talk into
0: in the microphone, but look at you. I'm not used to having to look left. Okay. I can and, still
4: hear you if you talk straight. I
0: like to look at people. We already had this conversation. I like to look at people when I talk to them.
4: I don't remember that. And when he photographs
0: them from his drone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I look right at them in their eyes. They, they can't see mine. Oh, but. yeah. Your
4: weird eye contact with... Yeah, okay, I remember that now.
0: <laughs> but no, so
4: Just the SNL stuff.
0: Well, Matt always comes with sh- binders full I'm
4: not Matt.
1: of women of Oh, whoa. no that's Romney,
0: sorry. Yeah, I was going to say
1: stories. Oh, how about how about that that Romney so did. when when I saw Romney sitting at the table with Donald Trump and there was that meme going around that I thought was fucking uh. perfect that was just it's, you know, Donald Trump there and Mitt Romney. Yeah. And it, it zooms in on Mitt Romney's face, and it's just this pained grimace. And oh, yeah. the the subtext of it was, my name is Reek, <laughs> for everybody who watches Game of Thrones, that I thought that was beautiful. And when I heard that Donald Trump was talking to... Mitt Romney. I thought there's no fucking way that he's going to give anything to Mitt Romney. No. This is just going to be Donald Trump's way of publicly humiliating him. Yeah. Yeah. Like you came out so hard, you came out so hard against mm-hmm. me, Mitt. I'm going to publicly humiliate you. I will destroy you. I liked I like
0: my Photoshop photo I did better, where Donald Trump's eating a baby and Mitt Romney has a pile of cash in front of him.
1: Hmm. I prefer the Reek one, okay. just because, yeah, he he didn't offer anything to Mitt Romney. And Mitt Romney still, so all during the election, was saying how terrible Donald Trump would be for the nation. Yeah. Donald Trump wins the election, and Mitt Romney's like, well, maybe he you, can give me a cabinet can position I a, somewhere. Can I maybe a Secretary job? of State, <gasps> he wants to meet with me for Secretary of State. We're going to go to dinner. Oh, it's like a date. This is so wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> And then... You get nothing. Good day, sir. You lose.
4: Is that how you saw that happening?
1: Yes.
0: Yeah.
4: Romney Mm -hmm. looked horrified.
1: I don't think he looked horrified. Oh, I I do. I think he He looked like. like,
4: Are you fucking? He looked like
1: Donald Trump was stuffing shit in his mouth, and he needed to grin while swallowing it. Well, fuck Romney too. So yeah, I I don't care. I totally put you Thank on you the spot.
4: Thank you very much. I know. I was not prepared. I'm very sorry.
1: <laughs> well, you were pointing at your phone, and I was like, oh, she's got her thing cued S-E-L. up, S-E-L. and she's been sorry. talking about this and wanting to and do Yeah, great. Yeah. Right.
4: I was unprepared. I'm sorry.
1: No, you're totally fine. I'm sorry I put you on the spot like that. <laughs> I'm not so a
4: professional so podcaster you are, like you, are you
2: guys. Unprefa-
1: <laughs> you were thoroughly unprepared, and I feel bad. You
3: were thoroughly unprofesh-
1: prepared. <laughs> <No>. unprofessional prepared. Unprofessional <laughs> prepared. You are <laughs> unprecedented fired? in that
4: you're one. Fired.
1: You're, you're fired. <laughs> you're yeah. fired. Oh, yeah. You're fired.
4: <laughs> I didn't really watch that show very much. I
1: like. have so, never seen an episode of it.
4: I watched the first Whoa. season. I'm familiar with Amorosa.
1: Congratulations. The
4: one black friend he has <laughs>
1: <laughs> or no employees. Ben Carson. Maybe he I love he black owns? people. Have you ever met Amorosa? <laughs> She's wonderful, fantastic.
4: <laughs> See, I have a black. Oh, and I think Kanye- Works Kanye's... for the right price. It's <laughs> <Is> free. <laughs> Kanye in his corner now? Yes. Yeah. Well, did you hear, did you
0: yes. see what hap- what Okay, so before Kanye went, wait, and, wait, 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 oh, wait, you wait, wait, this? wait, wait, yeah.
1: wait, what? wait, 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 wait. What? Let me
3: let me catch you up on that.
1: I'll wait, start
4: from
3: the beginning. L- let me start from the beginning. Beginning. Everyone, everyone here knows that Kanye is planning a run for president in 2020, right? <laughs> well, there's that beginning. <laughs> Ye.
0: And then there's about <laughs> two, three weeks ago, probably three, three, four weeks, maybe about a month ago. I'm just going to keep adding days to that one. Um, Kanye was on stage after Trump won And went on a rant About how awesome Trump is And how Trump is now our president And shit After doing like two songs And walked Seriously? off stage Oh yeah He had an epic rant on stage about Trump Then people were booing him He walked off stage Didn't even finish the show After doing like two songs Now come to last week Or two weeks ago When this shit comes out Trump invites Kanye
1: West To Trump Towers we're talking about the same Kanye West mm-hmm. who, while being filmed with Mike Myers, said that George W. Bush doesn't care about black people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He yeah, went. Same, he, same he, he, he gave a glowing review of yes. Donald Trump yes. and his relationship to the black community, and he acted or, or at least to Donald how Trump. wonderful he yeah. is in general. Mm-hmm. And
0: just like Donald Trump, people pay to come to a show and he didn't give them one. Wow. So- Kanye shows up at the, so at the same time when Trump's saying, I'm too busy for security briefings. briefings, I'm too busy for this, I got so much to do, so much to consider, he spends an afternoon with Kanye West at Trump Towers. And mind you, when Kanye shows up, he shows up in black, like sweatpants. He doesn't even like dress up for the occasion.
1: That is dressing up for the occasion. Black he did have a gold necklace on. Pants. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, they had the, they had the photos.
0: Well, no, it's like you show up to, to meet with the even even if he is a shitty president elect, you think you would dress for the occasion. Well, doesn't those he, are uh, thousand
4: dollars sweatpants? Probably. Ryan.
0: You know what? I went. Oh yeah, you he, doesn't have, no, no, he, he w- doesn't have any money. No, he doesn't
1: have any money. He he went out begging for money online. Like oh, I need but some yeah, money. he really did. Yeah, yeah. He he was complaining that he's flat broke and needed people to give him money. Yeah. But it was literally about
0: two days after Trump or Pence was defending Trump and saying, "Hey, he's a really busy man right now. He doesn't have time for the security briefings. Then he has meetings with Kanye West. He's so
1: busy That's doing Pence's what? His whole job?
0: Nothing. What is he so busy doing? He's canceling Watching fucking SNL. press conferences, he's yeah.
4: reading Vogue,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, tweeting, tweeting." Well, he's canceling press conferences because the press conferences are about the fact that he's not giving up his fucking business,
1: right. which is conflict of that interest. That was the whole thing is that he scheduled a press conference to talk about how he was going to handle setting his business aside to avoid conflict of yeah. interest. And then rather than doing that and rather than setting his businesses aside, he canceled the press conference. Yeah. Well, then he tweets We're just out, not going to talk about it, and it'll go away, okay? It'll be fine. Yeah. Well, it's going to be the best thing to ever go away. But then he tweets, Trump,
0: Trump Industries will be doing no new business. And then a few days later, he's like, well, my sons will be taking care of any new new business. <laughs> it's like, you- are he's, when he says the president can do no wrong. <laughs> that was a pretty do great you,
4: pirate impression. I, that's what I was thinking. Do
1: you do you guys think that he'll be able to survive a full four years I, uh, as president? If he, if he acts the no, way Pence, he is right now. Pence he will is, is going to be is president. Running the show. Pence is going
0: to be president. I honestly think the Republican Party wants Pence to run the show because no, they can they handle don't. him. Yeah. No, I think and they not will. even considered that. I think they can handle Pence. Mm. He will be the
4: extreme right. Can yeah, no, and people I like and Paul a,
3: Ryan can they? They that's do the get extreme al- right. Yeah, it is. They they Not do get along better. I mean, P- Pence is is the typical proto fascist Tea Party. Yeah, he's also dull. Yeah, but I mean, and that's where. But I he's think- had a lot of success since
1: he's been in Washington. Uh, uh, really? Yes. And well, and I said I said survive, which may have been. Uh, the poor choice of words. I don't, I don't mean physically, like, Like somebody would would assassinate him or anything. Yeah, but but
3: even still, I think, I think Pence is going to be pulling the strings. Mm
0: -hmm. Pence, they can control. They can control what Pence says. What Pence does,
1: not even necessarily control, but they can predict. Yes, they they can. They can normalize what Pence may say. Donald Trump is anybody's fucking guess, and that's why I think they will
0: get rid of him at some point because Trump is unpredictable, as he says, and that's not what they want. They don't want someone who's unpredictable. They don't want someone hurting them. I mean,
3: I agree he's not ideal for them, but I, I, I don't see them getting rid of him. I, 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 I.
4: if he even gets wind of feeling like he's not wanted He'll or never, in control, he will never he will feel, feel like, set like that. It up, no, but just like the elections, he will set it up and prime everyone for corruption and yeah. some kind of fuckery that made him lose yeah, it's not his, his position. Fault. No,
1: yeah, but but even still, I mean, I, but I'm I'm saying I I don't know that he can go a full term without, without being impeached. Well, well, without being impeached. By whom? Yeah, he'll... by the Republican party who no. knows no. that the more damage he no. does as president to the we... Republican brand, no, will make it more difficult for political... them to be real. Right. I... No,
0: there's already big people in the Republican party coming out against fucking Trump.
3: Yeah, I still think you guys are giving him too much credit for <sighs> foresight. <sighs> I think no, not not I, Trump for giving too much credit for the Republicans. I sh-
1: I think I think I think I'm that, not talking I about think... foresight at all. This this will be a reactionary thing that he will cross the line enough that eventually even some Republicans will start some, freaking out about it but and not will enough. say no. that some, we can't enough. have this continue because it's damaging the Republican brand and will make it that much more difficult for everybody else in Congress to be reelected when the time comes. Hmm. But isn't I, that the I, I platform that we they need said to distance initially? Ourselves from him.
4: Isn't that the platform they said initially that he was going to destroy it from the inside? From who, the, the who said that? Well,
0: Trump kind of said that a
1: little
4: bit. No, the well, supporters the, said that. Like, oh,
1: he's not your typical politician. He's yeah, going to drain the swamp. He's like going to shake even, things like, up. but I
3: mean, the, were
4: saying that he the was, standard
3: Republicans have pro- been trying to distance themselves from Trump the entire time until they were forced. To accept him as the nominee and then yeah, then, then, then the president did. elect. Yeah. But I think I think at this point they're they're taking Trump as sort of a steal. I mean, because almost nobody expected him to beat Hillary. Yeah. You know, and so they're like, Well, right now we have total control of the entire US government yep. which and a- we better take advantage of it. And with Trump you can. With Pence you can. You know, so But now I that mean, they got it, they don't need him. Yeah, but I I mean, I don't know, but I mean, I don't know. I just don't I just don't see them them.
1: more damaging than he's going to be good. Yeah, I think there will come a point where where the more moderate Republicans or the Republicans who know that you can only push that line so far before. That damn breaks. Hell, right? We have Sarah and who, Palin and who, chastising who, And who are those
3: Republicans? I don't think they think like. I that. mean, for, uh, which which moderate Republican would you like to point out that would think that way for me right now? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> John McCain. Who? Okay, I mean, so, he's a George W. Bush, which uh, uh, type of Republican, which you know, ten years ago was the furthest right you could get. So now he's the mo- the moderate. Okay.
1: But I'm, I mean, <laughs> I'm saying they they will take their own, they, they'll take their own worries about being reelected over Donald Trump. I mean, it's it's going to come to a point where they're going to have hmm. to make the practical realization that Donald Trump is damaging to the Republican brand. How long do you think He's damaging to the Republican take? party, and two he's years. damaging to their chances of being reelected. Possibly two years. I give it two years because they're going to wait till midterm elections. Well, yeah, I mean that's that's the next time that they're going to have to be concerned about these things. So yeah. But
4: the <laughs> but, 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 but will the do whatever the fuck they
2: the want. reason why yeah, I say the actions
4: two... of everyone in the country are gonna reflect
1: and they know that everybody has such a short
0: memory, and the, the reason yeah. why I say two years is because after the midterm elections, depending on how many they keep or lose, they'll wanna get rid of him, so he can't run for a fucking second time. They'll yeah. want to save their own ass, so yeah. they'll they won't do uh, anything to disrupt their their view of people be like, well. They want to keep people liking the Republican Party, so they'll keep people liking the Rep- Re- Republican Party. They get their people back in in two years, so that way they can keep control of the House and the Senate for four years, and then get rid of Trump. Mm.
4: They're not going to get—they don't want to lose control of that.
0: Well, that's why they're going to keep them in for two years.
3: I want to talk about atheism.
1: <laughs> but— <laughs> Well, let's get to the interview then, shall All we? All right. So, we'll be right back. On the other side, we'll have an interview with Mr. Justin Schieber.
4: Please stand by. The Godless Revolution will continue in a moment.
3: I am Jim Helton, Regional Director for American Atheists and President of the Tri State Freethinkers, and you're listening to
5: Godless Revolution. Here follows a public service announcement for the Two Skeptical Chaps podcast (laughs) Greetings, Americans! Over here in London, we are well aware that not all of you are loud, xenophobic, racist, sexist, religious nuts. But many of your politicians who display these frightful traits seem to be quite popular. Particularly, a certain wall-obsessed, small-handed, best-word-using, daughter-perving, war-inciting, candy-floss-headed clown. To those
4: of you who choose to follow such balderdash, we strongly recommend not to listen to the two
5: sceptical chaps. It probably won't be your cup of tea. Otherwise, give us a listen. Each episode, we cover any news or current affairs from across the globe. Things that annoy or delight us. That's two as in the number two. And sceptical with a K. The
4: wrong
1: way to spell it. Cheerio! This is Danielle Moscato, civil rights activist, trans woman, extraordinaire, and
3: public speaker. You are listening to Godless Revolution, and I hope you enjoy the
4: show. Rejoining the Godless Revolution podcast
1: now. Well, hello, Mr. Sheber. How are you this evening?
5: I'm doing great. How are you guys doing?
1: Doing really well. Thank you for asking. So we wanted to get you on the show to, to talk tonight about your new book and your YouTube stuff. Before we do any of that though, it'd probably be good to give our listeners who may be unaware of who you are and what you do and have done in the past a little, uh, background history. Sure. It's my understanding that you were previously a Christian in listening to a show that you used to be on. <laughs> Tell us about your early life and, and kind of coming into uh, your current worldview of being an atheist
5: sure so uh, I was raised a little Catholic baby and um, <laughs> as I as I grew older my 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 folks they switched churches to a more more kind of uh, kind of like a Protestant um, mainline Protestantism and the theologically I don't think they knew the difference and neither did I my for, for me the, the most important theological Difference uh, between the two uh, denominations was the uh, replacing of the organ with the guitar and the uh, <laughs> the taking away of about fifty years of age from the uh, lead pastor. Um, so th- those were welcome changes. I could identify with that more, um, and I started to take it very seriously. I got I got pretty involved in the church. I I would uh, do uh, some some worship leading as well at times. Uh, that's where I started to. Uh, learned how to play guitar. And um, well, throughout that time, I was, again, you know, increasingly serious about the issues. Uh, but after a while, things started to fade, doubts crept in, and they spread like a cancer as they do. And uh, long story short, uh, here I am. Um, and my, my kind of journey to here involved um, being a co-host on The Reasonable Doubts for about four years or so, which was a a, a pretty successful podcast in the skeptic community um we that's has that has since disbanded um and i've just uh, finished up this book here uh and um yeah still currently an atheist
1: can you remember back to any one particular thing that begun your questioning of religious faith or or was it i mean for most people it's a series of things right it it kind of snowballs and your doubts sure. get bigger, your questions become more frequent. Uh, was there, was there any, any tipping point that maybe started you off on that path or, or anything? Maybe, maybe the thing that you finally decided, okay, it's a load of horseshit.
5: Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, as you say, the, these issues are, they tend to be far more complex than what I think people let on about, uh, you know, these large worldview changes. Um For me, if I try to recall, it was There wasn't any kind of rational argument that changed me. Um, for me, it was more of a kind of shift in intuitions. Uh, these were stories, you know, I would, I would read the Bible and these were stories that I was raised with and that I, that I felt were true in an important sense. Um, but there was a time at which that kind of conviction, uh, became increasingly difficult to maintain. Um, I was having a hard time thinking that, you know, these, the the parting of the Red Sea happened in front of people like you and me with skin cells and who would get old and had to go to the bathroom, you know, like real human (laughs) beings. It just seemed like these were storybooks, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And there was a point in time where I had to be honest with myself and thought, you know, these, this is like a Hollywood production. This isn't like a these were these were spiritually true rather than uh true in any more substantive sense and so um that that kind of shift in intuitions made it much more possible for me to start kind of questioning other other issues and that in conjunction with the fact that my prayer life was was feeling increasingly one-sided um didn't help and so um yeah i'm sure there was other factors but those are two that that kind of stick out to me as as kind of shifting my trolley down the other track
2: mm-hmm.
5: and so yeah to to the you know under the atheism track
1: yeah i think for a lot of people it it happens i mean right? i mean there's there are very few people that i've ever met where when i ask them that question it's they can say oh it was this this thing here this one thing here Tipped it right. for me, and as soon as I heard that, it, it changed my mind, and the the veil fell away, and I I saw the wizard behind everything. You know, it, it very very rarely is that ever the case. It's always a cumulative effect of a bunch of different things.
5: Yeah, we always interpret our our you know our metaphysical beliefs in the context of a, a narrative that we are living out, and it always almost how it has to be the case that there's a shift in some fundamental aspect of how we view the world. It can't just be a, Oh, I found a Bible contradiction and you know, my, my world has fallen apart. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: and that, that leads me to, to talking about your book a little bit. One of the questions that, that I had and that I think will be counterintuitive to a lot of the atheists that I know and encounter on a regular basis. And, and maybe even some of the people here in the studio And I have to apologize and admit that I have not completed the book yet. I am on page 85, I believe. Yeah, page.
5: Oh, okay. Yeah. So you just got into uh, where we actually start getting... um, You've gotten past the kind of lengthy introduction we do on (laughs) multiple issues, which I think is... It's one of my favorite part of parts of the book, I think the the give and take of of uh, discussing definitions and the uh, exploring the implications of of rationality and I think because I think a lot of people misunderstand that word.
1: so uh, yeah, I'm on the part where you guys start talking about premise two of mtd
5: oh okay, excellent,
1: and i I have more questions about that in a moment uh the The one that I was thinking of in particular is that you both. Uh, so the name of your book, first of all, I should let everybody know, is uh, "An Atheist and a Christian Walk into a Bar Talking About God, the Universe, and Everything," uh, co-written with it's yourself and Randall Rouser. And one of the one of the first things that came to my mind when I was reading it was that you both agreed that you can find a rational basis for a belief in God.
5: I, I'm, I try to be as clear as I can in in the book. Obviously, when I'm when I'm saying this. Uh, I think that there are certain situations in which people can hold theistic belief in a rational way. And and the reason for this is because, you know, everybody comes to the table with different background beliefs. And those background beliefs, uh, we cannot help but allow those to determine our plausibility uh, structures when it comes to uh, hearing new claims, right? So, for example, if I hear the claim that... Uncle Ned um saw a ghost, right? Uh I'm going to think that oh, okay, well Uncle Ned is, you know, he's got some interesting things going on in his brain. He's not he's not crazy, <laughs> but like we all recognize that the brain does interesting things in certain circumstances and Ned interpreted that as a ghost. Presumably if I were to go through the same experience, I'd like to think that I would interpret that differently. Um, but notice our background beliefs. Perhaps Ned is a more theistically minded individual. Uh, notice that our background beliefs will affect how we uh, interpret these other beliefs. And so, in some circumstances, I think that there are there are possible circumstances in which one might have a bunch of reasons that they think are plausible theistic reasons, and not be aware of any strong arguments against them. And so, to the degree that you know we mark that point in time and ask them whether or not their belief is rational in god i think that we could that there are certain cases where we could say yes now of course many times people are aware of the problems with theistic belief and many people are aware of the arguments back and forth um but not everybody and, and so i think that there's always there needs to be at least some substantive room for rational disagreement on pretty much any question Um, and i think that god falls in into that category with the evidence available to me i think that it's it's quite clear that theism is false Um, but i don't think it's i don't think it's a completely uh, rationally i don't think it's complete rational failure for one to be a theist so, and that's that's one of the points that we go back and forth on in the book and we we come to a a kind of agreement on that issue.
1: I guess in my mind I I view it as you don't know what you don't know, right? You your your current beliefs inform what types of information you're willing to accept and what types of information you're even going to perhaps stumble upon and and be exposed to. Right? right. It's it's not that, you know, me uh, for example, like I I work in Computers, right? So I'm not going to one day all of a sudden stumble onto some medical breakthrough <laughs> necessarily <laughs> while I'm at work, right? It's it's these it's it's a completely different realm of of knowledge and belief in different things, and so if you have lived your entire life steeped in religion and don't even know that there are other arguments out there, and maybe maybe I'm missing the point or, or simplifying it too much, but to me, it's, you know, if you don't even know that there are other things out there and all you've known is religion, it is completely rational to to hold religious beliefs and to believe in a God because that's all you even know about. There's no way to be irrational about something you aren't even aware of.
5: Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, yeah, I think that's a big that's a big part of it. I think that, you know, you just now you laid out a story in which it would be plausible for someone to hold a rational, theistic belief. Now, of course rationality i think is is very often uh conflated with something being true right so people will say mm-hmm. people with a kind of a misunderstanding i would argue of rationality would say well it's impossible to ration for someone to hold on to a belief that is false but do so rationally right, right. i think that that's i think that that's just quite obviously false i think that there have been multiple times throughout history where uh, we can learn new things and find out that what we believed was false, but that, but none of that necessarily leads us to the uh, additional but separate conclusion that what, that when we believed those things back then, that those were irrational beliefs given the evidence we had available to us. And I think that's a huge distinction, uh, that, um, that the kind of, uh, you know, non academic level that, that, that's something that needs to be more, uh, heated.
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think people make that con, or get those things confused all of the time. There's, there's a lot yeah. of confusion in that, in that area that they don't seem to distinguish between the two. And, and I think it's important that they do. And, I, and I really appreciated that point in the book. When I first read it, I was like, you know, when I, when I first saw that you guys were both heading down the same path of, of saying that, yes, it's, it's rational to do that. My, my initial, you know, knee jerk reaction as, a, as a fairly outspoken atheist was, no, it's not, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. And I can't believe that they would both agree on that. And I can't (laughs) believe Justin's conceding that point. And then I think you laid it out very well and absolutely provided more information for me. I, I very much appreciated that.
5: Yeah. To, to say that, um, the kind of seeking after that kind of knee jerk reaction to say it wasn't intentional would be to be slightly dishonest of me. (laughs) I like to, you know, I, I, there are a number of points throughout the book that I, I challenge I, uh, what I see as, um, unfortunate tendencies in, um, in the broader atheist community that I, I look at and I, I, I see these tendencies and they, they bother me. And so there's, there's a few little pot shots I make in the booklet that way. <laughs> um, and so some are intended, yeah, to a
1: provocateur.
5: Yeah. Some are intended, I think, um, you know, as, as the, the one you raise here, uh, that's intended to you know, educate And I think get people to recognize that distinction, which is important. Um, And then some are, uh, you know, more 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 catty things about, uh, you know, using certain metaphors and as 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 descriptions of God. For example, like the invisible pink unicorn, um, you know, spaghetti monsters. I, I generally speaking, I think that the the a person's use of the spaghetti monster idea. And their uh, their understanding of the issues involved in philosophy of religion. I think that generally those things are inversely proportional. Um, and so that's th- those are the kind of trends that I see and that I get <laughs> that I get a bit annoyed by.
1: Um, <laughs> it's the oversimplification so, of it, right? It's
5: yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's a number of things. It's the oversimplification for sure. Um, and you know, to be you know, to be fair, of course, everyone does this. Um, it's just that from, from my perspective, who's been kind of steeped in this, this stuff a while it, I, I, I've gained, or I've perhaps shed some skin, uh, of patience on some of these issues. Um, and so, and so, yeah, when I want, when, uh, Randall, uh, approached me about writing the book in a kind of dialogue form, I was like, oh yeah, this, this could be a really good, um, a, a great way to both get some of uh, my ideas out there uh, and interact in a civil way. And at the same time, try and make some small inroads into what I see as uh common problems on, uh, on my own side. Um, and I, and I think both Randall and I kind of <laughs> make little uh, jolts at our respective sides, things that we see happening that, um, that we wish were not the case, uh, but nevertheless, you know, how many people are going to read this book? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, well, we hope to at least influence a few people to do so. Yeah. <laughs> I think it has a lot of really great information in it, and I'm less than halfway through it so far. So, I, like I said, I've, I've already learned uh, a number of things in it. Um, one of the other things that I was hoping you could explain a little more in depth is uh-huh. MTD.
5: Yeah, yeah. Uh, So in the book, uh, we go through about, I think there's like a total of six chapters in which we uh, explicitly present arguments and we, you know, we debate them back and forth. And and one of the, I believe the, yeah, the first chapter in which we do this, Mm -hmm. uh, I discuss the problem of massive theological disagreement. So uh, most of the time people I think are aware of, um, you know, theological disagreement religious, religious disagreement and the kinds of you know at least the intuitive kind of problems that those present to to theistic believers so many times in fact and this is all throughout the literature as well uh, there'll be arguments to the effect of saying well look um you know you have science and the methods that it uses right and so long as everybody is using these, these methods, we can develop these, uh, these theoretical, um, scaffolding and we can attach theories to these and we can test them. And, uh, these are not dependent on, these are not culturally dependent. These are things that, um, you know, these, these are going to be good that you're, presumably you're going to get the same answer regardless of who does the test. Right. Right. Um. Now, there's a difference, of course. I mean, there obviously, there are a number of differences between uh, uh, scientific ways of acquiring knowledge and what are typically seen as religious ways of acquiring knowledge. So, religious ways of acquiring knowledge are things like, um, I mean, I think uncontroversially, are things like uh, prayer, meditation, um, uh, you know, uh, d- deferring to uh, ancient texts, um. Yeah. And in feelings, you know, perhaps there are, is a framework where, you know, they interpret certain feelings as being evidence for some particular hypothesis over another. So, uh, there's these different, you know, so you have these different kind of sets of methods. You have the scientific set, and then you have the religious set. And then you have, you know, there's there's other sets. I'm I'm sure as well. Um, but we might look at, uh, you know, so there's been arguments put forward that say, okay, look. Um, you get radically divergent answers when you use these religious methods, and so these religious methods are clearly uh there's there's very good reason to see them as unreliable right if if, if people from different cultures can use the same method but get radically different conclusions that 's a uh, a red flag on your methodology right, right. yeah so that that's that 's the kind of argument I think most people are familiar with when it comes to the problems uh that Religious disagreement brings to bear on say the rationality of theistic belief, for example now the the argument I present in this book uh deals with religious disagreement, but it does so in a in a different way um, and i 'm sure it 's not original, but I at least came up with it uh, for the book but i 'm sure it 's published somewhere else uh, the general idea i don 't like i think it just seems too obvious for me to not have been advocated by someone um, this is called the massive theological disagreement, the problem of it. So essentially, the way I lay out the argument uh, to kind of get an intuitive grasp of, of, of what I'm presenting here uh, is to imagine uh, two, um, two tenants that live under the same landlord that rent separate uh, housings. Um, and – and in their kind of discussion with the landlord, the landlord, for whatever reason, he he only deals with them individually, right? He never speaks to two or more of his tenants at a time. He only speaks with them privately. And these tenants, you know, throughout their lives, they they interact, you know, uh, as one heads out to the grocery store, they strike up a small conversation. And all of a sudden, they discover that there's a number of incompatibilities about their beliefs about the landlord. So one of the tenants uh, is confused because he could have sworn that the landlord uh, is a male and the other swears that that it's a female. One of them says that the landlord only requires, uh, you know, $600 $600 a month for a rent and the other one says oh no it's $800 uh, he says that this is true of everybody and they both think this so clearly they both can't be right about these beliefs and some of them are admittedly trivial and some of them are a bit more substantive but the point is is that this introduces a tension both between the uh, the tenants and between the tenants and the landlord right so there are unnecessary tensions in the relationships that exist in this this little local world here.
1: That could be cleared um, up by the landlord if the landlord chose to do yeah, yeah. to do things differently.
5: Absolutely. One would presume that a landlord has the kind of goals and ambitions that we typically associate with landlords mainly running a fairly successful business and making a, a profit and having a good reputation as a business owner in that local. Community, right? Well, this That's seems like kind of thing-
1: yeah. This seems like Kaiser Soze as the landlord <laughs> from <laughs> <laughs> from what was the name of the movie? Uh, Usual suspect. Yeah. <laughs>
5: yes. Yes. <laughs> so so you, you take that kind of analogy, and you kind of you get the intuitive grasp of where I'm going with this, and you can make it even more uh, in touch with the theistic story by reimagining the analogy as the two landlords, but now they're two twin brothers right uh being um raised by a single parent and for whatever reason the parent has has kind of unorthodox parent parenting methods and he only meets with these with the children individually and you know to discuss their 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 qualms their you know whatever the things that parents do right and the The children at the you know, in the same way they find incompatibilities about their beliefs about the parent, about how best to relate to the parent, how best to enter into a relationship, how best to maintain said relationship, how that parent wants them to live, what the what the correct uh, kind of behavior is under the parental regime. Um, And. And so they, of course, they argue about this because they both think that they have a more superior relationship to the parent than the other does. And so it introduces a tension, right? Obviously, the analogy Mm -hmm. here, this is analogous to um, religious certainty and the kind of tension that can bring between two different religious groups that believe that they have the ultimate answer, right? Mm -hmm. About how best to uh, raise a a child, the next generation, how best to treat resources, how best to, you know, what – um, you know, essentially all the different things that we've had that have had some religious component in all the conflicts of the world, right? Mm-hmm. So those are the, the, you know, you're kind of distilling it down to that local core idea where you have a parent who presumably is supposed to be a loving parent and is supposed to have the well-being and the kind of fluidity of the relationships between all the parties uh, in at in best interest, Right and of course the children might argue but also we know that in the real world sometimes these differences will simmer and boil and lead to violent conflict right so if the if the two children uh, if the two you know twin brothers start to start to wrestle in anger and they start shouting at each other and they get into physical fights because of their disagreements and they're so passionately sure of their interpretation of their parent that they start to do this that is that not the exact step uh well even prior to that that the parent should step in and make the proper corrections mm-hmm. um now what's one of the values of this kind of argument is that it avoids a a one of the typical objections to a kind of hiddenness argument right so the hiddenness argument they would say well you know look these people that don't believe perhaps you know uh, they're they're not being honest with themselves. They're not, uh, you know, they're they're suppressing the truth in their unrighteousness. In their unrighteousness, right? <laughs> now that is a terrible response to the hiddenness argument yeah. for a number of reasons. Right. But but notice how it completely falls away because notice that this argument, the religious disagreement argument, uh, it's um it's focused on the subset of religious persons that already are considering themselves as devout theists. Hmm. So you take all the devout theists in the world who believe many different things. You have, you know, all the different uh, major Abrahamic religions and then, you know, any other kind of, um, you know, lesser known views of theism that roughly match on to Western monotheism, right? You have all these different people and you have all these different uh, cultural forces of some substance that are constantly clashing in this way. And that is something that we should find surprising on the theistic hypothesis, uh in the same way that we should find it surprising when the parent just you know refuses to uh correct any misunderstandings even though their their children are in the basement uh pummeling pummeling each other with their you know their uh, ninja turtles cassette tapes or something <laughs> so, uh that's that's the kind of that's one of the rough arguments um that I present in the book uh, and we go back and forth on it for uh you know for a a good good length of of pages here but um i i find that argument to be pretty persuasive.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a great argument. I think it's... And, and I think the way that it's presented in the book, like you said, clears away a lot of the, a lot of the nonsense that would otherwise be viewed as a, as a good refutation of that by people on the religious side of things. So I think the way it's presented in the book is, is great. I, I appreciate the way that you put that in there.
0: 40%, 45% of the American people believe literally in Adam and Eve, believe literally that the world is only 6,000 years old. Mm. I mean, that's a shocking figure, and mm. you can't duck out of it by saying, oh, sophisticated theologians mm-hmm. don't, don't believe it. Unfortunately, what sophisticated theologians believe
1: isn't really relevant to what the majority of Christians do believe. <laughs>
2: uh, first, first.
1: So uh, we, we talked about... You know, that you spend a good deal of the book presenting definitions of different things just so that you can even begin to have a conversation. Right. Right. How do you think we, we need to best go about doing that in the future with people that we meet on the street? I mean, it's really hard to, to have an in-depth conversation with somebody that is just screaming at you from across, from across a, a barricade at, at a demonstration or rally or anything. How do we, Right. How how do we reach those people? You know, when we when we can't write uh, a novel-length dissertation back and forth defining terms and (laughs) and and trying to come to some mutual agreement even on the types of language we use and what those words mean.
5: Right. Well, I think that uh, first of all, I think probably step one is to avoid interactions with people with (laughs) megaphones and and large
0: large banners
5: uh you know listing their uh, particular uh set of uh sexual um deviant behavior in their eyes um <laughs> hmm. generally these people are not going to be capable of um or if they're not if they're capable they're not going to be particularly in the mood for a reasonable discussion on on these matters um but you know if I think that most, I mean, you guys, I assume you're all, you all live in the U.S. Is that, am I correct about that? Yes. We're in Utah. Okay. Yeah. So you have plenty of opportunity to talk with other people who do not believe in in the way that you believe. And so, um, you know, that's, you, it's hard to go about your day without running into someone who's, who's a theist of some sort and, um,
3: some sort. (laughs) Yeah. And so,
5: I mean, at the end of the day, I think what's what's most important is that uh, that, you know, you see these people as as just people out there that have a set of beliefs and that perhaps don't think about them as you know, don't have the kind of um, weird obsession with thinking about these kinds of things all the time that say I do or maybe you guys do too i these are the kinds of things that i like to think about because they're inter, they're interesting to me
2: mm-hmm.
5: but not all the, but not everybody is interested by the same things right so for example my parents they are they're very religious uh but they don't they just they don't think about stuff in a way that allows them to entertain certain ideas right and um and if if I bring things up which i've I've since learned is a terrible idea um <laughs> you know that that's a relatively short lived conversation mm-hmm. for whatever reason they're not interested in having that conversation, but then you'll run into other people that they're they're believers and they they really enjoy those conversations that's the kind of person you want to talk to don't at least in my experience, not only is it I don't know, I think there's something slightly disrespectful about pressing someone who doesn't even want to have that conversation, yeah right yeah sure. um and so i I think that that's just generally poor behavior that to to be avoided um when it comes to people that are one, wanting to have that conversation, then absolutely I mean at the end of the day you've gotta obviously to have a conversation, you gotta get clear on your definitions um. You want to get clear and you want to be very careful to keep the discussion on topic. Uh, There are a number of different strategies that both sides use to try and shift topics away from perhaps weak points on their view or, you know, toward stronger points of their view. Um, And at the end of the day, uh, I find it to be uh, one strategy I, I like is finding some common ground right off the bat. And getting that to the point where it's recognized and and admitted, and then you can start to discuss where the particulars of difference may lie. Uh, and that kind of strategy, it not only is it does it kind of, I think reduce the kind of antagonism that can tend to boil up in these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also just generally more helpful, and you're going to be more likely to have a successful conversation.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a good way to try to cut through some of the tribalism or or viewing of somebody as completely other is to express that you do have at least some commonalities with the other person. Right? You have you have some beliefs, you have some interests that align with theirs as well. You aren't you aren't an, an alien. You aren't somebody who is wholly against anything and everything that that person holds dear, you just have a disagreement about one or two different things. And I think that that is a really good starting point for those types of conversations. Right. Now, you had mentioned that, you know, not a lot of people put a lot of thought into these types of things, you know, and, and you mentioned to you know maybe just maybe avoid conversations with people with microphones or or giant megaphones yeah giant yeah megaphones <laughs> not microphones don't do that cuz then we <laughs> we wouldn't be speaking to you now <laughs> but and and you know to avoid the people with the giant banners and stuff like that and right. you said that you know they they haven't done a lot of thinking about this and and to me i guess I view it that they have done a lot of thinking about it. I mean, clearly it's on their mind a lot, right? They go out of their way to attend gay pride parades and festivals and uh, to pick at uh, outside funerals of people that they don't agree with necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is on their mind, but they just haven't done any deep thinking about it.
0: Well, I think it's sure it's it's, they're not thinking of the other side at
5: all. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's. I think it's less, I mean, perhaps I misspoke, uh, it's less about uh, whether or not, you know, the degree to which they've thought about their view and the attitude with which they discuss it. Hmm. Um, if someone's out on the corner with a megaphone and a sign with a list of their, you know, their you know what they see as sexual sin or something, right? Uh, someone who's just really just trying to be in your face, trying to get attention, trying to you know, purposefully try to offend people of of different beliefs of theirs, right? Um, those persons are, are exponentially <laughs> less likely to uh, be capable of a substantive discussion. And if they are, they're not at that particular time, mm. right? It might be that if you catch them off guard, and, you know, at a coffee shop and you sit down and you have a discussion, that might be possible. Mm. But it's also important to recognize where people are at that particular time. Mm. Um, not everyone, you know, uh, myself, I, I, I love having good old like substantive rational discussion, but there's, there's times where I'm, you know, not there. I'm not for that. I'm not in that headspace to be able to do that kind of exchange. And I think it's important that we recognize, uh, you know so we're not completely wasting our time essentially uh to try and stay away from street preachers uh i think that's a generally a good rule of thumb so so
3: something to do with uh their willingness to be receptive i guess yeah it's sure. it's
1: it's about their their willingness to accept that perhaps their views aren't necessarily true right that they're at that they're the at least willing to examine them and to hear somebody else's view on it and i think a lot of the time those street preacher types with the megaphones aren't at all interested in the possibility that they could be wrong about anything. Yeah. They're there to antagonize.
5: Yeah. They're, they're hardcore partisans. They're not, yeah. they're not going to reach across the aisle, um, at least at that particular time. Um, even to seek understanding, it's going to be largely a fruitless endeavor, I think. Um, but that's not to say like, oh, so So, for example, I, had coffee with a, a a preacher just about a month ago. And mm-hmm. it was funny because um, r- roughly a month ago we we held Richard Dawkins and, mm-hmm. and Julia Sweeney downtown Grand Rapids here for a, a kind of discussion. And it was a huge event in Grand Rapids. and mm-hmm. And so I made this coffee date with this local pastor for a few days later. Not even, we didn't even discuss the Dawkins event or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I get there, I get there, and I see that he's in the corner with a little megaphone <laughs> oh. Oh, <laughs> and he's geez. preaching with a big sign. And uh, <laughs> I recognized him because of like his Facebook photo. And I'm like, well, that's really interesting. And so he came over and introduced himself to me and then he went back and did his thing. But then when we, like at that time would have been a terrible time to try and have a conversation with him. Sure. But. You know, a couple of days later, we meet up at the coffee shop and we had a good substantive back and forth. And, uh, I was, I was, you know, I did part of this in hopes that, you know, we'd be able to arrange some kind of event at his church, but that doesn't look to be happening. But <laughs> at the very least, you know, we had a good exchange. So, um, Yeah. So, like I said, I think that it's it's not just being able to distinguish between different persons, but also between the same person and different points in their life and different contexts of, you know, what what is going to be, you know, what is going to lead you to a decent conversation, what is going to not. I think that those are largely rules of common sense, but it's it's awfully tempting. I will fully admit that it's awfully tempting to want to go up to the street preacher and start to you know undermine you know or at least an attempt to undermine uh their their kind of rock hard beliefs at that point
1: it's always entertaining when people do it i mean i get like well i wouldn't say always entertaining but it can be very entertaining to see some people do do that to try to get them off their game or or just to real life troll them while they're while they're <laughs> holding their protest signs right right um Jumping back a little bit to something that you had mentioned, you you brought up the invisible pink unicorn and the flying spaghetti monster and, and pastafarianism, and mm-hmm. it made me wonder, and so I wrote it down. I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts on what the Satanic Temple does. Um we we here about, in the studio are, are big fans of the Satanic Temple and their goals and tenets and, and how they go about accomplishing what they want to get done. I'm I'm just kind of curious about your thoughts on the Satanic Temple.
5: When it comes to uh I mean from what I, I'm I'm largely only familiar uh with their kind of political uh moves <laughs> which I think are which I think are great. Um I I fully support the idea of of kind of forcing people to recognize the absurdity of abandoning a, a separation church and state mm-hmm. um by you know having these these giant uh you know these giant satan goat statues erected i think that's <laughs> Baphomet. i think that's just ab- absolutely um and not only is it um making a incredibly important political point uh but it's it's also just freaking hilarious so i <laughs> i fully support that i i don't know what they're what their beliefs are necessarily from what I've understood. I don't, I, I would probably largely side with them on many things. Um, I don't really know if, yeah, I'm, I'm largely ignorant about the kind of metaphysics of them. If they even have much of anything or, or if they're just atheists with a, an interesting political uh, agenda. Yeah, so, it's, it's a, it's
1: latter. a, yeah, it's an, it's more of the latter. It's a non-theistic religion okay, where, that's what I figured. yeah, where they, I mean, they don't, hold belief in a literal Satan. They don't uh, worship a goat headed figure or anything like that.
5: They're kind of like an ethical society with some archetypal figures that they hold dear. Essentially. It's
0: it's the, it's the use of Satan as the ultimate rebel.
5: Sure. Against
0: arbitrary authority. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It it also, it serves a double purpose for them as well because it, it it allows them to sort of slip into the recognized uh, religion category politically Mm-hmm. Which gives them greater leverage in in the moves they're trying to make uh, that way. Absolutely. So, yeah. 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 No,
5: I, I think it's a. I think it's a great strategy. I, I'm I'm surprised that it's. I mean, perhaps they've been doing this for a long time. I I guess I just it's it's surprising that, that it it seems to only be taking root uh, now with at least or not taking root, bringing about some fruits. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I think they got started in 2012. Yeah, that's
5: pretty
3: well.
0: I think okay. it was
5: before
3: then, but a little before then, but really, really kind of come to the forefront of uh, media and so forth uh, within the last few years. But
1: well, and and they're <laughs> they're perfectly suited to uh, fight back or provide uh, a counterbalance to the notion of religious freedom. You know, when when Christians use the argument of religious freedom to do basically whatever the fuck they want. Mm-hmm. You have the Satanic Temple step in and say, "Okay well you know you you want to limit oh. you want to limit regulations on abortion you want to you want to provide special privilege for different types of religion. well, we are a religion also so we we will use the same religious freedom laws that you've enacted in order to cover yourselves to to run as a count to act as a counterbalance to providing uh religious privilege to certain types of Christianity yeah. or certain religions mm-hmm.
0: especially more recently with the uh, abortion laws that certain states are trying to pass mm-hmm. they're countering it with well, it's their deeply held religious belief that you can't do that to
3: them
1: yeah
2: mm-hmm.
5: well, yeah I think it's I think too. it's fantastic
3: I want to jump back to the book for a second um one of the now I'm not sure if it's a subtitle exactly but uh, mm-hmm. this quote the, the too important to leave to angry
5: polemicists. And yes, yeah, that was in, I believe that's used in one of the descriptions of the book.
3: Yes. Um, so one pop possible interpretation of that, uh, statement is that some of the angry, uh, people maybe don't have as many important things to add to the conversation. I just wondered what are your thoughts on, on that exactly or how is that meant?
5: Um, well, so so the one of the early purposes of the book that we decided on uh, pretty early on was that we wanted it to be um as vulnerable and truthful a discussion as as we could pull off you know to obviously to reasonable constraints right um <laughs> and so we wanted it to be as as open and taking seriously these issues as possible um and to try and shed as much kind of partisan attitudes as possible in, in doing so. Uh, because I think that uh, not only does kind of more partisan approaches where you have, you know, you have an entire book written by one guy who doesn't really take seriously the best arguments from the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, that happens on both sides. I think everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, so for me, I, so, okay, so we have like a, what we call a Christian apologist, right? Typically, we think of that as someone with the intent of convincing another person, and so they're going to use particular arguments and strategies, uh, to, to best fulfill that end. Um, I think that that's of poor value philosophically. I think that when you get yourself into a mindset of a goal to convince another person rather than to uh, explore the issue yourself in a more uh, genuine way, uh, that you are more likely going to be uh, unintentionally perhaps, but nevertheless, it will happen. You're more likely to be a victim of the most deepest and severe cognitive biases that'll drag you down. Um, hmm. And I think that every time you read, every time I read a, um, well, I I shouldn't say every time, I wouldn't be able to cite the examples, Um, (laughs) but very many times that I read both apologetics books and what I would call atheistic apologetics books, uh, this is a common tendency uh, where the best arguments from the other side are perhaps not discussed or given a you know, a, a treatment that is not as, uh, you know, is, is less than the treatment that it deserves, mm-hmm. And, um, that happens on both sides, like I said. And so we really wanted to try and, I mean, we really wanted to try and do the, opposite of that as, as as to the degree as you know as much as we could I see. um and so when i when we talk about or when the book description talks about it's too important to leave to angry polemicists that's kind of what i'm talking about the anger i think is probably a bit hyperbole uh mm-hmm. but when it comes to uh, polem- polemicism i think that it's it's rich and alive and well on both sides sure. and so we were just trying to, you know, reduce that to the degree that, uh, was, was reasonable. Um, and when we say that it's too important, um, I think that's, that's true. Actually, I think that the God question is an extraordinarily important question to get right. Um, for for a number of reasons. Um, in the book, I actually argue, uh, that I would rather it be the case that classical theism be true uh but that it's just not the case that i've that the evidence delivers to me um and so needless to say i think it's important i think that if theism were true the world would be a radically different place and it would be Mm. a better place and i wish it were true but it's not and that's that's essentially uh the point of the book
3: (laughs) (laughs) so do you uh i i do do you accept that um Authors like Hitchens and uh, Dan Barker, or, or podcasters like The Scathing Atheist, or even going back to Mark Twain, that mm-hmm. they that they ha- I mean I I would consider them to those those groups to be more on the angry side, perhaps. Um, do they have a place in the movement? I mean, in in your view,
5: or I mean, I'm not going to tell people what to do. <laughs> like well, I'm no, not going to tell I'm, people the but
3: yeah. I'm, I'm just asking you know from from your perspective if if, if, the, if they're valid.
5: Mm -hmm. If I could design it from the ground up, then there's much of that that I would probably want to shed.
2: Mm
5: -hmm. Um, Just because I think that it's – I mean, it serves the purpose in the sense that it gets a lot of people – I mean, I'll I'll be honest. I'm mixed on that question. Like if I'm going to give a substantive answer here, I'm mixed on it because on the one hand, I think that books like The God Delusion are incredibly important for getting people – um or you know, God's not or God is not great, and, you know, the various books that came out by the you know, the the so-called uh horsemen of the Horseman. apocalypse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh those books are important unifiers. They're not as as great as they are at unifying people and getting people to be to kind of step into their own identity as as persons of non belief and stop being embarrassed about it. I think that's incredibly important. Sure. Um, philosophically, I think they're largely abortions. Sure, but, sure. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think, yeah, they, they serve that purpose. Um, and I, I guess what I, when when I, hmm, I guess what I would say is that I would probably turn down the knob on some of the um, condescension that I find to be, uh, laced within the pages of those books um a bit too much to to my liking, um but the books themselves, I think play an important role for getting people of non belief to actually start to you know be okay with that and to not feel like they're you know horrible people to buy into the cultural narrative of atheists yeah. as uh, baby eaters, even though, mm-hmm. uh, admittedly, uh, they go fantastic with certain, uh, sides. Oh, yeah. Um, so that, that's, I mean, it's, that's not really an easy answer. I suppose no. I'm, I'm, I'm conflicted on that.
3: Yeah. Well, I, 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 I think that's acceptable for me at least. I mean, I still do have, uh, anger and frustration and, um, some of those negative emotions, from my experience within the religion, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, just the way that it goes, and you know, y- when you come out of it, you kind of feel betrayed, I guess. Even whether that's fair or not, you know, but there's all a rush of all these kinds of emotions, and I don't know that I don't know that that's going to subside altogether in mm-hmm. me, just knowing my personality. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> um, so I, you know, I, but I'm just curious. I mean, I. I I get the feeling from I mean I I listen to all your podcasts at least once um, multiple times on some episodes because I'm a little slower uh, but uh, <laughs> but I but I, lo- I love that angle um, I tr- I try to get into the philosophical stuff I don't think that's that uh, and especially at the level that you guys do it I don't think that's reaching as wide an audience certainly um, not. Right. And, and, but I do see sort of the agitating, motivating, uh, appeal with, uh, some of the, the, the books, you know, like you mentioned, Mm -hmm. um, with the, with the effects that you mentioned as well. So I, I kind of see a place for both. And I just, I wondered where you fit on that. I know you're sort of on the, sort of on the softer end of it. And, but, but, but I think your answer was acceptable.
5: That yeah, I mean yeah, like I said it's it's complicated. I got two different things pulling me in different directions. On the one hand, I want to be uh as fair-minded with discussing the arguments as possible, but on the other hand, I uh I recognize that you know, having your your celebrities um and your um more harsher tones perhaps uh is going to be valuable for getting a lot of people at least to perk up and to listen to what's being said, mm-hmm. and so at the very least it gets interesting conversations started um I think in a lot of ways it's not for me but but i I understand and it i'd be it'd be difficult for me to justify uh you know <laughs> calling for an all out all out ban on it. essentially. oh sure, as, sure, as king atheist <laughs> <laughs> right right <laughs> i
3: I think it's a good route to. Your style of atheism, though, eventually, I mean, I think that's the kind of thing that's relatable early on, you know, when you have all those those fresh feelings. Um, and then Absolutely. and then you start looking elsewhere and, and you sort of move on and you hear the arguments from the other side. And that makes you think for a minute. And then you kind of vacillate and you do this back and forth. And then and then as that starts to refine, you kind of move toward. Reasonable doubts. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah, no. But, actually, but I,
5: I was just saying that the other day, and I was me and Randall were on a podcast together, and, and uh, we, I was talking about how you know when I first deconverted, I had that exact same feeling that you were describing earlier about uh, being, you know, feeling as though you were being lied to, feeling really betrayed mm-hmm. by your family and by your community and society at large,
2: mm-hmm.
5: um, and that how that can, you know, and you know how that kind of uh, feeling is going to be more um, leading to certain behaviors rather than others. And that mm-hmm. it'll make, you know, it, it'll, it turns you into a troll. I think it turns everybody into a <laughs> troll, at least for a little bit. Right. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and it just depends, you know, it's, it's going to depend on the person, but, you know, hopefully people are able to grow out of that kind of antagonism and think about the questions in a more kind of uh, thorough and uh, thoughtful way. Uh, but it's it's a you know it's a necessary step. I went through that same thing. I think everybody does. Um, and yeah, and so to that degree, those those kinds of books are are important. They are important to read that kind of interesting, controversial stuff, and mm. then to realize, ooh, I'm in a, a secret club that has the secret <laughs> knowledge, right?
0: <laughs> I do spend probably a little bit more time than I should on religion and uh, I have a certain amount of hostility to to it. Uh, I think the most rational reason for it is because of the harm that I see it does. We were talking about that earlier. Uh, Many people do simply awful things out of sincere religious belief, not using religion as a cover uh, the way Saddam Hussein may have done but really because they believe that this is what God wants them to do. Going all the way back to Abraham being willing to sacrifice Isaac because God told him to do that. Putting God ahead of humanity is a terrible
1: thing. I have one more question for you, <laughs> but I don't know if these guys have any others, because the the other question that I have may lead us down a, a rabbit trail of of a very well, long discussion. Oh, the so, small
3: question you have. Yeah. No, I'm actually very interested in this as well, but we'll have to see what uh, Mr. Schieber is well, willing we're, to... We're
1: famous for rabbit holes, so...
3: so,
0: <laughs> so that sounds sexy. Go on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, w- some of my favorite episodes of Reasonable Doubts are when you are discussing uh, the concept of free will. Those are everybody's favorite episodes. <laughs> uh, oh, geez. <laughs> and... I am, at least as I currently understand things, I would view myself as a hard determinist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm not a compatibilist. I don't believe in free will as a thing. Um, but I have had a difficult time in trying to convince other people toward that view because um, mm-hmm.
3: I'm still a compatibilist
1: In, including me and here's
3: why I well. because I don't understand the difference mm-hmm. I, I haven't been able to figure out what what line there is between
5: compatibilism and hard determinism if if there is I, I don't know the problem is is that philosophers don't know the line either <laughs> <laughs> okay there's, well. so, there's so many different things meant by uh, compatibilism and by free will and by determinism that it's it, you really just have to articulate your personal view on things and define terms in your personal way, because opening up your random uh, book and discussing it, uh, it's going to be laden with assumptions about what those terms mean, mm-hmm. and it's it's not a it's not a standardized definition set all throughout these texts, right? Well, so yeah, I think stuff.
1: that's that's the other part of the problem is is the limitations of language. And sure. and the definitions that people will use for different things, and and so that's what's great about part of your book is is laying down the terms and definitions that you are going to be using and, and agreeing on them before you really launch into a mm-hmm. conversation about them.
5: And, and boy, am I glad we didn't get much into de- into determinism, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> so um, so what are you used to? Are
1: you you are a compatibilist then?
5: I'm a compatibilist. Yeah. And so when I say I'm a compatibilist, what I mean is that I think there is a sense of free will, which is compatible with uh, determinism all the way down. Um, Obviously, you know, omitting quantum uh, issues for a second here. uh, I think that all mental behavior has causal antecedents um, and that, you know, I am a I am merely a link in a chain as as it's moving along the line, right? That said, yeah. I think it's all there's also a meaningful sense, there's a meaningful explanatory layer, shall we say, wherein it's appropriate for me to talk about choices, for me to talk about um uh coming to analyze certain things in a in a way that is um being fulfilled by my intentions rather than being constrained by uh other outside sources so for example um i mean obviously there's the issue of like oh i'm free to walk around today right i can go outside um and then there's the the lack of freedom entailed by say a prison sentence right Mm -hmm. so there's a there's a sense in which it's In which we're talking about the freedom, and and what seems to be the relevant difference is whether or not we are able to do that which our desires are oriented toward, right? So Mm -hmm. I want to be able to walk around outside. I'm able to do that, and so to the degree that I'm able to to the degree that I go outside and do that, I'm acting freely. Um, But if I were in, you know, lockup, and I wanted to go walk outside. There's a, a real sense in which I no longer have that freedom to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm constrained by sources external to myself, and so it seems to me that there's a real meaningful sense, and even a sense which carries moral responsibility, uh, in saying that I am making choices, and so long as those, as my actions are being fed through my cognitive equipment. That has a particular set of desires, regardless of whether those desires have causal antecedents or not, uh, that's a free act. If I'm able to have a thought that goes through my desires uh, and I intentionally move toward some end, and I you know, regardless of whether I'm successful, you know the the effort done is a freely uh, expressed act. Um, and that to me, uh, yeah, it sacrifices certain things that I think people hold as as uh, as fundamentally what free will is. It it abandons the kind of uh, kind of naive view of free will. I I would argue, uh, but it you get a surprising amount of commonality with it. You get a surprising amount of the goods attached to free will with this slightly modified version of free will. Mm. Um, and so, I think it's it's a fine thing to uh, to endorse. I think that you can be a hardcore determinist while at the same time recognizing that there's a real meaningful sense in which we can talk about free will, responsibility, uh, and 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 you know, relative quality of judgment.
3: So, I guess I guess my sticking point here, uh, and again, I'm I'm not set on any particular view um sure because I, I still don't really know what the <laughs> uh, but i mean is there is there a way really to to know that your you know so-called freedom of choice or choices is anything more than a feeling you're being fed by a determined brain i mean i mean
5: sure it may feel for oh, no, that's but, absolutely what they are Okay, but so I, don't know that it, I don't know that it matters on a certain level of explanation. I don't know that it matters that much. Mm-hmm. Um, I am blanking on a good analogy to describe. <laughs> to I may explain. not be a good candidate. Uh, well,
1: well, and, and I mean, you you mentioned the moral aspect of free will and mm-hmm. holding people accountable for their actions, and I think so. You know, I, I've I've read. Harris's Sam Harris's views on free will. uh Read some of Dan Dennett's views mm-hmm. on free will, mm-hmm. and heard a few of their exchanges back and forth. Heard or or read a few of their exchanges back and forth on this, and mm-hmm. Dennett would be. I don't, it, it's hard to even pin him down on That's how a, he views. Yeah, he says
5: that. Um, yeah, in one of their, I, read, I actually recently listened to one of their interviews. Um, Dennett, I'm I largely endorse Dennett's view, but I I'm a bit puzzled at times in the way uh, by the ways uh, in which he describes it. Yes, um, yes. And the <laughs> ways in which he defends it, and as as if as if we're losing nothing from the original core conception of classical views of free will that people take for granted. Hmm. He seems to think he seems to be suggesting at times and, and you know, this is, this has been a while since I've really read his stuff, but he seems to be suggesting at times that, um, he pays lip service to the idea that, uh, that what he's talking about when, with regard to free will, isn't really what, uh, people, um, think of free will as, but at the same time, he seems to be suggesting that like there's really no substantive difference and that it's that you can just as easily have his his view and i I don't know it's hmm. it seems it seems like an odd maneuver he does at times, but um when it comes down to the core stuff of what he believes i I accept it, and I think Sam Harris does too. It's just that Sam Harris doesn't think that we should be calling that free will
1: yeah it it seems to me that from from what I gather and can. Can into it from what I hear Dan Dennett saying about the subject of free will is that he seems to have some fear of saying that free will doesn't necessarily exist. And he seems very reluctant to buy into the concept or at least admit the concept of hard determinism because he's afraid of the moral implications of doing so. You know, he's afraid Mm. that if we were to say that there is no such thing as free will then anything goes you know if i happen to murder somebody if i rob something if somebody or something whatever right. whatever i choose to do is a okay and you can't hold me personally accountable for doing that and and i think he knows that that is not necessarily what anybody is saying but he's afraid of of making the claim for hard determinism because because he's afraid of the moral implications and, and the views of people who aren't necessarily as informed and how they may view such a statement from him.
5: Yeah, I, I think you're probably right in the, the moral implications issue. Um, and it might, yeah, shoot, I don't know, I, I, it might be that he were he's worried about being misconstrued um, by um people perhaps not as familiar with the issues as as he um i guess, i guess i don't know i i i mean i i adopt his view for the most part um but i don't i'm not going to pretend to say that what i mean by free will is what most other people mean by free will you know yeah so uh, yeah. and i'm not saying he necessarily does that but there seems to be at some there seems to be some times he is perhaps tipping his hat to some notion like that.
1: Yeah, I guess I can see that. Well, you have been incredibly generous with your time with us tonight. I, I thoroughly appreciate you coming on the show to talk about your book. Um, Thanks for that, having me guys. Oh, uh, thank you. definitely our
5: pleasure. And gals.
1: <laughs> thank you. <I> <laughs> uh, is there anything else that you would like to pitch before we let you go? I know that you are also doing, you, you've got your own YouTube channel.
5: Yeah, yeah, I'm so I'm doing a uh, a YouTube channel uh, by the name of Real Atheology. Mm-hmm. Uh typically what I'm doing on there is I'm uh just kind of discussing some contemporary philosophy of religion. And so um for people who are who find that kind of stuff interesting, uh I discuss a lot of the um a lot of stuff that I find particularly interesting, some insights that haven't necessarily made it into the popular debate. I, I, I at least seek to try and kind of bring some of that stuff out. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm having a good time doing it. I'm not uh, putting out as much as I, as I would have liked, but, uh, now that I'm finished with the book, uh, I will hopefully be churning more of those videos out.
1: Excellent. Awesome. Well, we will certainly be tuning into them. Uh, once again, thank you so, so much for joining us. I really, really appreciate it. Good luck with the book. An atheist and a Christian walk into a bar, go get it now. And I still say listen to the Reasonable Doubt's podcast. I know it's not going anymore, but it's still worth it. Honestly, I started re-listening to it again yeah. just within the past couple of weeks because yep. yeah, going going back through the entire catalog. I'm actually I haven't even caught up to where you actually joined the show.
5: So. Yeah, I was listening. I was a huge fan before I was even on the show. I had no idea they were even local. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a bizarre uh, experience. <laughs> yeah, it, anyway, it was a great show. Anybody
1: who listens to our show and is at all interested in uh, more philosophical and high-minded stuff besides what we typically do here should definitely check out. And well. we'll already know who he
5: is. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, but, well, once again, thank you so much, Jeff, yes, and I really appreciate it. And so generous. Thank you, guys.
4: If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or twitter the twatter at TGI Podcast. Thanks, bitches. (laughs) You know when you Google him, it tries Uh. to say you're looking for Justin Bieber?
2: What?
1: (laughs) Did you mean Justin Bieber? (laughs) Uh, Do I have to get
0: serious now? No. No.
1: Okay. Are you? Are you ever? (laughs) No. I'm sure there are times when you're serious. (laughs) I've gotten serious on the show before. Have you? Yeah. There's a few times <laughs> where I've gotten like, <laughs> like serious. <laughs> if at any time you need to go or anything, just let me know and, and we can wrap things up. I know sure thing. I know sometimes shit happens. So. I think we had sure. a,
0: someone's cat pooped on a bed once and they had to go.
1: Oh, was wow. That, was that
0: Doug? Yeah, no, it wasn't Doug. It was uh, from Atheist
3: Experience. It was a... Uh, Russell Glasser. Russell Glass. Oh, that's he had a right. Cat relieve itself
0: on a bed, so he's
1: like, right, "I gotta I go." Forgot. Yeah,
3: but yeah. now that we're the Trinity, we should see all of this coming. So,
5: I don't do cats or dogs or small humans, so that shouldn't <laughs> we're be a safe. It. That's good
1: excellent
4: i thought we talked no sexual history <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh i
3: can't believe you even heard that i know i was way back i'm sorry that just got dark <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the welcome show welcome to the show
1: did you say that have, you have had to scramble to put pants on
0: i live by myself why would i wear pants when i'm not required to so you don't stick to things I don't
4: have leather. (laughs) Oh. But when he wears pants, he sticks to them. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Meg's never going to get close to her microphone. (laughs) I
3: thought we weren't doing a sexual history.
0: (laughs) (laughs) See, and then I can just stick this over here. And we can all see how much time we got left.
1: Yeah. Oh, perfect. That's cat. Look how cute it has. Oh, that's the (laughs) cat.
4: You got that done. All right, Jimmy
1: Fallon. (laughs) Suck yeah. Look how kidda (laughs) ass. You don't
2: even
4: have to. It's all like in your throat or something. You don't even have to move your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, suck yeah.
2: It's like a ventriloquist. (laughs) And he's his own dummy. I don't even have to move my mouth. It's all just suck yeah.